Fight Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. Welcome to the midweek edition of the Owl Chat Podcast. It is John Finer at KSU Owl Howl being joined by producer Nick, who is filling in for Kai, who is a bit under the weather with a uh, 104 degree fever. So uh, we are wishing him well, and hopefully we'll see him back on for the Indiana postgame show or at least the midweek uh, next week. Uh, Nick, how are you doing today, man? What's going on? I am tired, John. I just uh, finished up the uh, two-leg, 16-hour card ride home from upstate New York, went to visit some family over the holiday break, and I am drained. (laughs) To be completely honest, I am drained. At least you didn't have to make the whole drive yourself. I believe it was a family, right? It was, yep. No, I, I split time with my dad, so that was nice, but gosh, it was the weather was awful. A lot of fog, a lot of, a lot of rain. Funny enough, we actually stayed overnight in, uh, in Harrisonburg last night. So where JMU is and, um, but going into Harrisonburg, it was all like mountains all the way through And the fog was so dense that you could not really even see the car in front of you. Like, unless they had their, their hazards. On. I, was yeah, really I would not want to mess with that. Uh, especially at night, man. That's kind of crazy. So glad you made it back here safe. Um, Just want to get started here on the flyover. Uh, We have uh, women's uh, tennis uh, released their 2024 schedule. We'll get through this pretty quickly here. Uh, Opens versus UAB. uh, Includes non-conference matches versus Louisville, Georgia Southern, Alabama State, Western Carolina, UNC Asheville, boo, Presbyterian, and Jacksonville State, boo. Uh, So that's all we have for the uh, women's tennis. Uh, we'll swing it over to football. We have a few uh, offers ever since uh, signing day. It's kind of slowed down because of the holidays, but uh, we got a few out before Christmas. Uh, offensive lineman Cole Burdow, a 6'6", 315-pound uh, transfer with one year of eligibility remaining. He played at uh, Merrimack College. So again, these are offers, not commitments. KSU has also offered 6'1", 230-pound edge Donovan Westmoreland, a transfer from South Carolina who attended Griffin High School, uh, which is notable because that's the same school that uh, head coach Brian Bohannon attended when he was playing. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer membership and daily fee play. Their championship course is challenging for all levels of golfers and is frequently used for practice by some golf teams from a local university. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw. Be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. We also have some uh, possible football news. I'll call it a rumor. According to footballscoop.com, Kennesaw State defensive coordinator Nathan Burton uh, could be taking the same position with Troy. Um, me personally, uh, I assume it's a money thing. Uh, could also explain the departures of Coach Safford and Davern Williams on the defensive side. Uh, could totally be coincidental. I don't know. Um, as of uh, t- as of Wednesday uh, evening, Coach Burton is still listed on KSU's online roster. So, you know, nothing is official yet, but, you know, sites like 
football scoop are, you know, pretty uh, locked in and zoned in with their sources. So I don't think they would be running with something unless they were pretty sure of it. But for now, until it's, you know, officially official, we'll be treating this like a rumor, but I do want to discuss it. Uh, so Nick, um, how big of a loss would Coach Burton be for Kennesaw State? I mean, it would, I think it would be a really big loss and I'm I'm trying to reserve judgment until everything kind of comes out. But when coach was hired when coach Burton was hired, it was specifically noted in his introductory bio and everything that he was being brought in to help transition the school up to FBS and help bridge that gap. He has plenty of years coaching at the, at, at the higher football level and the FBS level. And he was going to bring a lot of experience to that defensive side of the ball. I do not want to see him go. I think it would be a monumental loss considering, again, you said the losses that we've already seen on the defensive side of the ball from the, uh, from the positional coaches. Uh, I'm really hoping that this is just a rumor and you said it, his social media accounts still have uh kind of saw backgrounds and everything, and he's still on the website. So keeping my fingers crossed, but it, it would be, I think this would, would be a big blow to the defensive side of the ball. I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's tweeted since, you know, early December, well before signing day, whereas most of the other coaches are, yeah, yeah, rah, 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 welcome home. We have this dog who's a wide receiver and a defensive lineman, you know, signed. Welcome to the nest. Coach Burton's kind of radio. No, you're, you're 100% correct. He hasn't put anything out uh, since I think it was December 2nd. Recruiting standpoint, I mean, obviously the portal's kind of cooled off from major transfers. So we're not going to see people leaving our end of the defensive side of the ball anytime soon. It, it could still happen. Um, you know, lots of, you know, there's still like another month or two where, pe- you know, stuff is going to happen. We still have about 10 more, you know, signings to get eight to 10 more according to coach Bohannon. So, but, you know, um, hopefully they're committed to the program and locked in and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, it is tough because he was only here for what one year. And then you have, um, you know, I'd say at least it's not Coach Klonakis, and I'm not saying that because, um, you know, one coach is better than the other. I'm saying that because we saw what our offense was last year and what we're transitioning to, just changing from the triple option, flex bone or whatnot, to um, what we're running now or what we're trying to run, and it would have been an absolute blow to have to change offensive coordinator. So that's the only cushioning I could think of. At least it's not Coach Klonakis if he is leaving, so. Look at John eating his eggs sunny side up today. I'm I'm trying here, man. I'm trying to you know do that a little bit more lately. Usually I'm on the you know the other side of the issue, so uh, it feels good. It feels good. I'm I'm in the spin zone. So, um, but yeah, again, nothing is nothing is firmed up. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, and you can follow us on uh, on Twitter slash X. Uh, I'm sure we'll be able to update you on that at Owl Chat Podcast. Please uh, be sure to follow us. Um, just by following and favoriting our stuff, it helps with our engagement um, and our brand and reaching out to everyone. So again, thank you so much to everyone who does follow us and uh, interact with us as well. Um, in some women's basketball news, uh, Kennesaw State women's basketball competed in a two-day tournament in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, we dropped, as it reported last week, we dropped the first game to San Diego State by 23. And then the next day, perhaps one of the most incredible comebacks you'll ever see. I take that back. Perhaps one of the most incredible comebacks you'll ever hear about because the game was $17. So if you wanted to watch, 
you would either have to pay $17 or you're shit out of luck. So I don't think anybody really did that or not many people do outside of family and people close to the program. So I wouldn't expect that. But anyways, long story short, it was a uh, 50 to 31 Providence with 752 left in the game. Owls were down in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Owls outscored Providence 22 to one. Yes. 22 to one. The rest of the way to win a uh, three pointer from Carly hooks with 15 seconds left, tied the game at 51. Providence had the ball for a final shot. Again, I'm just going off the uh, the box here, the play-by-play. I didn't see it. Uh, Providence had the ball for a final shot, but they took it too soon. The Owls got the uh, ball back, ended up winning on free throws as basically time expired. Uh, Carly Hooks finished the game 2 of 14 shooting, but had the big three. Uh, Princess Harden is continuing her dominance, um, establishing herself as the star of the team and perhaps one of the uh, better players in the A-Sun. She had 23 and 8. Uh, Providence turned the ball over 24 times and at eight or nine in the fourth quarter alone. Uh, the Owls play uh, Georgetown uh, tonight at seven and then fate, which is uh, Thursday night, and then face uh, Mercer on Tuesday before conference play begins. Um, I will also say that on Wednesday afternoon, it was announced that Francis Harden was named the Ace Sun Player of the Week. And freshman Trinise Taylor was named a Sun Freshman of the Week. So congrats to them, uh, especially Princess uh, Harden. Uh, well-deserved. Uh, when that game was going on, I was actually on the road up to uh, Asheville. So I was kind of following on my phone and, um, you know, I was like, oh man, this is over. And then I kind of keep looking and it's like, wait, what? It's 10, it's eight. And I totally expected it to like, you know, fall off at some point. Like, oh man, we just spent too much energy trying to come back. You know, it's never going to happen, but it just kept going and going and going. And then three pointer here, three pointer there. And before you know it, uh, you know, the owls won and Again, one of the best you'll probably ever hear about and perhaps not see. So it's kind of be like a this game will kind of be like a, a legend, so to speak, in Owl's lore. Um, you know, producer Nick, um, were you watching the game? Were you following it? What was your uh, reaction? Um, I was following it. I was not watching it. Um, wow. Because um, to be completely honest, I wasn't following in the uh, in the first half and then got the notification from the app and it was like, Oh, all right, we're, we're down a chunk. All right, we'll see what happens. And then towards the end, I, I think I got a, a notification uh, from the app that said the game was close. And I went and looked at it and I'm like, like, Oh my gosh, I'm like, this is a lot closer than I thought. And then I tried to go and find a way to watch it. I didn't even realize the game costed cost $17 to watch. I mean, that's, that's oh. a pretty penny. I'll, I'll say that if you saved that $17, you should come, to the game tonight with uh, 16 of your friends because it's dollar tickets. So you come see the Georgetown game. Wow, look at, you, look at you with that math. And I, I didn't even realize it was a home. It's a home game. I didn't even realize that. Yes, it is a home game. Okay, wow. And I believe that was the first, what, um, Big East win since Xavier in 2014 or something like that uh, for the that, Owls against Providence? I believe that sounds right. I think I saw something like that. I was yeah, there. It was, yeah, that was, uh, that was back. That was 2014, yeah. Yeah, I was there. I think DeAndrea Sawyers had a big game that I don't remember. I, I can't remember that far back. It was nine years ago. John's trying to wind back the clock right now and, <laughs> and I, figure out all the... <laughs> um, it's... it's something I do want to throw in, though, real quick. You you noted uh, Harden and Taylor. On the month, their, stat, their combined stat line is pretty unreal. They've combined for 133 points, 64 rebounds, 18 steals, and our 56 and a half percent shooting. Those are some good numbers. 
Oh, yeah. And Princess Harden, especially. Uh, Trinice Taylor, she's going to have her ups and downs as a freshman. But um, Harden has been great. I mean, she always had the athleticism to get to this point. Um, you know, she was kind of like the, I guess, the Simeon Cottle of the women's basketball team this year, right? She was that person that we needed to make that leap. And we kind of, you know, saw that she had the potential, the athleticism, the ability. And it's good to see that she has, you know, has made that leap. So, um, you know, very, uh, very proud of her for her efforts there. Um, and John, that also makes two freshmen on the women's team that have made uh, a son freshman of, is it the week? I believe, I believe it's so. a son freshman of the week because. Uh, Sophia Rupel earned it earlier. It was either at the back end of November or the the front end of December. It was one or the other. Yeah, she had a crazy game where she hit a whole bunch of threes. So uh, hasn't been able to repeat that success lately. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can get her back on track. Fingers crossed for conference play. Yes, that's what it matters. Um, essentially, everything here, you know, being in the ASUN, you know, it's nothing. Nothing is going to matter. We're not going to get an at-large bid. So, you know, conferences, you know, this is all extended preseason, so to speak, if you want to, you know, it, it counts, you know, it's for the program, the record recruits see this stuff. But as far as actual counting for the season, you know, I'm not too upset about it. We just need to play our best ball at the right time. Um, and piggybacking on this, a listener uh, DM'd me with a question and I'll let you answer it first, producer Nick, um, with the win versus Providence. Um, does this give you a boost in confidence of the recent extension of coach blue? Yes, definitely does. Um, I don't know if I necessarily needed a full boost um, of confidence because I've kind of seen the the progression of the women's team. I know it hasn't been as, as uh, statistical as the men's was where it was, we're doubling our win totals every year, but I think there has been a clear shift in mentality since coach blue came in and the team has progressively gotten better um, as a low mid major women's team. And it, it's hard to recruit players and, and compete in a conference that's dominated by FGCU. But I think we've been taking the right steps uh, to at least trying to compete at that level. And I think coach blue uh, has done a really good job with that. So I will just, I will say yes, but I don't know if it was a hundred percent needed on my end personally. What about you? Well, I, I my kind of stance was, I, I think they play hard. Um, I, I don't think they're poorly coached at all. I think coach blue is getting better there. Um, so I, you know, that was never a question. The, the team is bought in my concerns that I've listed previously. Do we have enough talent to kind of, you know, make it through the league this year, especially into conference USA next year. So those are my concerns. Um, the fact that we didn't quit, um, down 22 um, or whatever it was, that's great. And, you know, it it doesn't surprise me because like I said, this team plays hard. This team is bought in. Obviously, anytime you come back from down that, that much, it's going to surprise you, you know, uh, in itself. But like, it doesn't surprise me that this team did it because they play hard all the time. Um, they kind of, uh, you know, play over their heads, I guess, sometimes for the, you know, the talent wise, you know, we do have, you know, Harden is a good talent. Uh, Trinice Taylor is a good talent. It looks like she's really stepping up. Uh, Rupel has potential. Carly Hooks, you know, is off and on. Uh, but I think we'll do just fine in conference. But as far as the question goes, does it give you a boost of, con does it give me a boost of confidence? Um, I don't know how to put this. Um, I'd rather not go down that many points to begin with. Um, you know, I think this will give the team confidence and give us something to piggyback against, against Mercer. 
Um, so it all depends on how the team comes back from this. If they use this as a boost of confidence and a boost of momentum and ride and ride a little streak, then yeah, it could be a good thing. But again, I don't think it's going to, um, you know, propel us to, you know, the top, you know, two or three teams in the A-Sun. I think right now we're sitting probably somewhere in the top end of the league, but uh, we have a, a ways to go if we're going to, you know, get to the top of the hill. Job not finished. Job not finished. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, I, that's pretty much where I stand on, uh, on that. So we're hoping for the best. Uh, we need to get the win against Mercer on Tuesday and even first uh, Georgetown uh, tonight. So, um, you know, I guess we beat uh, Providence. So, you know, we can beat Georgetown, right? I guess that's where the confidence is going to come in. Okay, ladies, we did this versus a, a team like Providence. We can do this versus a team like Georgetown. And at home. And at home, uh, which makes it easier. I mean, these games in West Palm Beach were in front of like 40 different people. So, you know, it, it's I, I kind of feel like, um, you know, Providence might have been caught up in the, you know, two days before Christmas, um, you know, being up 19 and, you know, just they mentally checked out early thinking it was over. Um, you know, props again to the Owls for not doing that. And uh, that's why you always have to play hard. I totally agree. I think that segues us really well into our our next discussion topic because uh, I was uh, making comments about another group potentially being checked out for uh, Christmas. So I'll let you uh, take the lead, John. Yes. Yeah, so if you didn't know, he's uh, he's talking about the uh, Owls men's basketball game against UNC Asheville. Uh, we were actually originally going to do a uh, podcast this past week with just me and Kai, but you know, uh, Kai got uh, sick, so we couldn't do it. Um, actually, uh, me and Kai, we drove separately, of course, but he went to the game. He was at the media table, was doing just fine, spoke to him before the game. And then, you know, he drove home and just wasn't feeling well. And then next thing you know, he wakes up with a 104 degree fever or whatnot. So I was going to go solo, but then we decided, you know what, it's probably best, you know, it was a bad loss. We don't need to push this thing out there. So we'll kind of go into an extended uh, men's basketball conversation here today with producer Nick. So I have all my notes that I put in the time uh, on Saturday. So damn it, I'm going to use them. Um, might as well. Uh, so I went up to Asheville with a friend. Uh, we stayed the first two nights at the Sheraton, the final night at the Fairfield, which is coincidentally uh, where the KSU basketball team was staying on Tunnel Hill Road. Uh, we switched hotels because we got a good rate uh, at the Fairfield for the final night. Um, nicer place and bigger room than where we stayed in the first two nights. Um, it was actually super weird of a hotel room because they had like a, uh, probably like a seven or eight yard, like hallway within the hotel room itself leading to the door. It was, it's, it was absolutely a ridiculous layout, but it was a great stay, good breakfast, all that. But anyways, um, we stayed there a couple of days, got to see downtown, saw some interesting places, got to see what Asheville's like, um, did an escape room. We escaped. Uh, even though we got help from the game master, no sin to win. Uh, so, uh, you know, we got that taken up, taken care of. But as far as the game goes, um, the summary, instead of going, you know, detail by detail, I'll say uh, we got our asses handed to us in the first half, played much better in the second half, but the hill was too big to climb. Um, so my first point is, did we run into a little bit of a mini buzzsaw? Uh, Asheville was up on last Thursday, 44 to 23 at halftime against Appalachian State. Uh, and 
and Nashville won 76-63 over App State. Now, App State, when I last checked, was ranked 82 in the net rankings and 75 in the RPI, even after that loss. So it's not like Asheville, you know, dominated some kind of cupcake. Uh, they took it to they took uh, Appalachian State to the woodshed two days before we played them. So, you know, they were locked and loaded and ready for that revenge game. So it was a slow start and a disastrous first half for Kennesaw State. Um, Asheville, like I said, lost to us earlier in the year. They had revenge in mind where we played kind of like we were happy to roll into Christmas. Um, you know, after winning five in a row, uh, maybe we just needed a wake up call, a kick in the ass. I don't know but we really didn't play good in the first half. And maybe it was some, you know, the elevation is a little higher there. It's not really an excuse, but, uh, you know, who knows what that could have affected the game early on. Uh, so Asheville started the game on an 11-0 run, and in hindsight, it was basically over before it started. Uh, we started 0-13 of in three-point field goals and shot 5-10 of from the foul line in the first half. Not to mention, Asheville out-rebounded us for the game 49-30. to 30. Yes, 49-30. to 30. We were minus 19. And we shot 36.5% for the game, which is pretty evenly distributed between the halves. Asheville, on the other hand, shot 50% from the field in the first half. And by the time our defense stepped up, started uh, forcing some turnovers and stops way too late. Another thing about Asheville is that they hit 28 of 31 free throws, including 19 of 20 in the first half. Uh, which is an insane, like 90, 95%. And Drew Pember was 17 of 18 just by himself. So it was just nuts. Um, you know, I don't think we probably would have won that. Um, no matter how well we played, it would have been tough, but we didn't give ourselves a chance. Um, the game wasn't just the UNC Asheville show in the first half. Um, it was the Jamie Lucky show. Uh, yes, he's one of the refs. We committed six fouls between the 1659 and 1606 mark in the first half. Literally, not four minutes into the game, we were into the bonus. Uh, is that also, John, does that also include the technical foul? Yes, I believe so. I'm okay. sitting on Coddle. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm getting to that right here. Oh, trust me, I haven't forgotten about that. Um, it was insane. If you're not familiar with Jamie Lucky, um, you know, this clown is like the Angel Hernandez of college basketball referees. Um, put him in quotes and search it on Twitter, Jamie Lucky, and you'll see what people think of this guy. Uh, wants to make the game about himself, puff out his chest. Uh, dude's like 80 years old. You know, I don't know why he's even out there. Uh, but anyways, he called a tech on Coddle four minutes into the game. And I don't know if you could pick this up on TV, but he yelled across the court to Petway something to the effect of, I'm about to throw him out. Um, luckily, Cotto wasn't thrown out, but he did get another foul 30 seconds later and had to come out. Um, as far as the ref, go, ref show goes, it didn't get much better in the second half. UNC Asheville had a technical called with about a minute left in the game. And I'm guessing that was lucky too, but I'm not certain. And they also had a tech called on their bench with about 10 seconds left to go as the clock was being dribbled out. So the Jamie Lucky show uh, stood up until the very bitter end. Uh, so, if, like I said, if you want to see what people think of him, just put him in Twitter. Uh, Producer Nick, what did you think about the just the first half? Um, well, I can tell you that those few first minutes into the game, I definitely realized that I was making a donation to uh, my DraftKings friends because in uh, being in New York, I was able to enjoy a little bit of a uh, wagertainment. And <laughs> that went sour very quickly. So they have accepted that donation gladly. Um, I was not very, uh, I mean, John, this is how I'm looking at it. 
I'm trying to keep my positive mindset. I am never one who likes going out and talking negative. And there were a lot of things that didn't go our way. And there were a lot of things that went our way in the second half. And we're going to talk about that soon. Out. Exactly. About, yeah. But th- that first half, I, I had to turn it off. Once, it, once we were probably, I, I want to say it was only like seven minutes in, I said, I'll turn it on after halftime and I'll watch the rest of the game. I'm like, I, I can't watch this right now. And yeah. I waited, I went and took a shower. I came back to it and I was like, I'm like, you know, let's just play hard. Let's finish strong. Let's see what we can do. But that, also, that first half was was pretty un, unbearable there for a second. Yeah, I also felt dirty after watching the first half. So don't worry, especially, you know, I, I talked so much crap before the game to the Asheville players. Oh, man, that was that was rough for me. Um, but the biggest lead was 23 with 706 left in the first half. And it was 18 at halftime. You know, at least it was under 20 is, was the way I was looking at it. Um, we did make a comeback in the second half. It was futile. Um, the best chance of flipping the game, in my opinion, was when we cut it to 60 to 50 after a Terrell Burden dunk. Yes, dunk with 12 minutes left. Um, Asheville called a timeout, regrouped. And since that point, we kind of played them about even from that point onwards. It was as close as 76, 69 with 56 seconds left. But again, it was a too little, too late, too much energy expent to, you know, get back to the point. John, I'll tell you, I think my family thought that I was shot in the back room of the house with how when when I yelled as loud as I did when when Burden dunked that ball. <laughs> that, that was so funny. They all come running back like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, TB. And my brother's like, bro. And then I was like, just watch. And he's like, oh, I did thought they- he hit like a three or something. And I was like, no. When you yelled TB, did they think you just got diagnosed with tuberculosis or something? <laughs> no, my brother figured it out and he's like, He's like, he told my, oh, it's just basketball. Don't worry. But it was, <laughs> it was, it was very, it was amusing for me. It was uh, startling for others. What did you think about the uh, Terrell Burden? Probably what, 30 seconds before that? Do you remember when he, I don't know what he had in mind, what he was doing, but he was going, went up for like that one handed dunk that he lost control of. He was trying to, for a minute, he thought he was like Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I saw that one before and I, I, <laughs> I think I might've just like lightly chuckled, but I'm like, you know what? At that point, I was kind of in the mindset of you're down. We'll work on some things that you don't normally try. (laughs) And that, that, that's surely one of them. I mean, get, you know, I, I, I was off my, I was out of my seat. You know, I was hoping they would have fouled him or something, you know, but then he got that dunk again, 30 seconds later, it was like the universe meant for it to, uh, for it to happen. Unfortunately, Asheville called timeout. You know, Morell was smart enough to do that. I wish he would have let it go a few more minutes. You could tell from the TV too that the, all the momentum was just like it, it evaporated at that point. Like we, 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 you could tell going to the TV timeout. Okay, yeah, all right, let's go regroup. Come back from the TV timeout. I was like, all right, this doesn't look like the same team that just went to break. Yeah, it, and that kind of happens, and that's why teams call timeouts. Unfortunately, yep. no, absolutely. Uh, but they did have uh, Asheville did have 14 turnovers in the second half, which gave us a shot. Uh, but they did play good transition defense. So, you know, it wasn't layup lines. I think they had eight blocks against us a lot on the small guards, Cottle, Burden, I think, uh, and such, you know, trying to break out in transition. We only so, had six fast break points the entire game. Yeah, they, they did an excellent job there. And it could have been more. I mean, we had the opportunities to get out and break. We had the numbers. We just couldn't, you know, convert the, those opportunities. And, you know, versus a lesser team, a lot of those would have been quick two points. And, 
you know, and back. Um, but yeah, I do want to talk about some other things. Uh, Jason Holt was the first owl off the bench. Uh, I thought he was over aggressive at times defensively, but this was his first D1 game. And you can tell the effort and defensive talent is there. Uh, hit some threes. I think the first two threes of the game, uh, Pember was a tough matchup for him. Um, and, you know, overall, I would say he was one of the best owls uh, on Saturday. Um, what were your thoughts on Jason? It did go back and watched those because uh, that was back-to-back possessions. He hit those corner threes that, that kind of helped cut it down. Um, I thought he looked good. I mean, you kind of said it defensively uh, needs to settle in a little more. And I mean, that's what we also saw with the team earlier in the season. It's Jamel King. Yeah, exactly. And they were over committing. And then a few practices later, the team looked a lot more settled on the defensive end. So I think that's just going to be a, a timing thing more than more than anything. Um, but the shots there. And I am, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do against uh, ace on opposition. And to be completely honest, I think he could start seeing the, uh, the starting lineup a little more regularly. I think so too. And I wouldn't mess with it against Indiana. Um, They have a lot of size and we'll get to that later, but yeah, once conference season, you know, Jamel King has done such a good job off the bench. You kind of don't want to mess with that to an extent. Um, I would be okay with getting Jason Holt in the starting lineup. And I think he, he was the first owl off the bench. So I think I, I think I mentioned that. So that says, to, that says something to me, even if it was only by eight seconds and maybe it was just a positional thing, but um, I, I, I do, you know, I do want to see a lot more of Jason Holt. He could be definitely an impact player in league play. So I'm very happy that he's eligible and that gives us a solid uh, nine man rotation right now. 9.5. If you include Armani Harris, and a little nugget, um, I think there's a good chance that um, Delaney Hurd, a guard transfer from Alabama who came over with Petway as a uh, preferred walk-on here, I think he'll be uh, able to suit up sometime in conference play. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I heard some uh, rumblings there. So I don't know how good he's going to be. Um, but, you know, if he can provide anything off the bench, it's good to have depth, with how, especially with how aggressive we are, how much we foul. Um, you know, a big guard would be awesome. Um, moving on, Damon Robinson had his worst game of the season, never got into a rhythm. Uh, have it, you know, we all, all the owls were had a rough shooting day to start off with. It was just terrible. Uh, but in the second half, picked up a quick foul, played, uh, what, 14 minutes all game, something like that. Um, he just didn't seem very involved on the bench either uh maybe he's usually like that and i just didn't notice but you know his body language I, I just don't know if he was feeling well that game um so we'll chalk it off to uh you know just a one-off um but did you notice anything from demand outside of like the, again you said the lack of production i mean he uh i was kind of thinking about uh aaron a little bit when when i was watching the game i'm like I'm like aaron is probably going we got to get the ball in the paint a little more i mean Demond only took five shots, made one of them. And yeah. uh, I mean, two of those shots were three-point attempts too. So yeah. it would just, you know, you have those kind of days, you get to four fouls. It's, it's not really ideal. You only play 14 minutes the entire game. So you, you're just kind of, it kind of exacerbates the point that we've made on earlier episodes is what happens when we don't have uh, Demond next year and we don't have that big man presence because we really haven't seen uh, uh, Ranji. I mean, Ranji had more minutes than Demond, and I mean, even 
I, I don't really think that would be the only person who could replace DeMond on the current roster, but we didn't have an inside presence when no. DeMond wasn't out on the court. And that really prevented us from getting the ball to the hoop. So it was noticeable, but at the same time, again, I'm chalking it up to a, a one-off fluke kind of thing and hoping yeah. that it, it all alleviates itself going into uh, Indiana. Yeah, I, and I'm not worried about DeMond going forward. Um, I'm not worried at all. Everybody has a bad game. Everyone's entitled to one of those. But yeah, to your point, I'm like I mentioned in previous episodes, I'm more worried about next year because Pember and McMullen were kind of, especially McMullen was having his way in the first half, you know, inside. Uh, they were out-rebounding the crap out of us all game. And I think that is where, you know, we should be hitting the early panic button, kind of like in uh, football. Hey, we need a quarterback and a kicker. Well, I'm hitting the panic button right now. We need a big next year. We need something, um, which is hard to get. So hopefully um, Coach Petway could work his magic. And I just want to add, when Nick mentioned Aaron earlier, he was referring to Aaron Anderson, who's our uh, analyst that usually does the uh, post-game shows with us, former Kennesaw State player. So Aaron usually does his uh, segments talking about the big men and all that kind of stuff. Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, you never know. We might have a first-time listener. Um, so also want to talk about Simeon Cottle, um, who was another player who put up a rare stinker on uh, Saturday. Uh, three for five, 12 points. Again, same talking points here, Nick. I think not worried about him. Just it was a collective, a collective groan of an effort in the first half, especially. Um, and, you know, we're looking for him to, you know, rebound versus Indiana. Um, so and again, we we say this is the, the Petway style offense, and he didn't stop taking his shots. He was one of eight, but at the end of the day, I want the ball in his hands behind the three-point line more often than not. So you, you can't you can't be too upset when he has a has a rough game against a good opponent. Yeah. And I think we've mentioned it. I think there was a game earlier in the season where he really struggled. And I think it was one of those tournament games. And then in the second half, he kind of hit everything and yeah. was like basically the MVP. It was that game that he hit that game winning shot. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. See, and that's, that's what you mean. You know, you just got to have confidence in it, you know, three for 15 it's whatever rebound play better next game. Um, also Jamel King pulled off. He had uh three points in 20 minutes. I think he hit a three. Um, unfortunately I had to remove him as my profile picture on Twitter. Uh, if you guys aren't aware, I changed my profile picture to his uh, KSUowls.com photo after the first UNC Asheville game because of his tremendous effort. Um, and Twitter, because of their policies of reviewing accounts and avoiding, you know, impersonation, security measures and all that, there's a review period. So I could not change my photo away from Jamel King after the next game or whatnot. So in the meantime, so I had to keep it and we kept winning. So I kept my profile picture as Jamel King. Um, so now it's back to the standard owl how AI picture that I made. Um, if we do beat Indiana, I will say I will change it to the player of the game to whoever we who if we beat Indiana. Do you think that's a good just, idea? I think it's a great idea. I was just about to say I'm like, all right, so now we need to figure out the parameters for how someone else can take over your profile picture in the future. But you already laid it out, John. You were ahead of it. The the only issue is this is a continued review process on Twitter's part. So for example, if we have conference games on Thursday and Saturday and we have a player of the game on Thursday, I probably can't change it again until what? Like maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the next week. Do they only do that with the picture or is it the name too? 
It's the name too. Um, so I, I, the bio, I, I think I can change any time, but my name and anything on there, as well as the picture, it's it's shut down for uh, for a while. Oh, geez. All right. Well, then maybe we just maybe we have to be updating it in the bio. Maybe we'll do it on the OCP one too, and we'll be like such and such fan account, and we'll update it based on whoever our consensus player of the game was. Yeah, or I think we should hold it, you know, if there's a consensus player of the game, and I doubt we'll have, you know, two consensus player of the games on two wins, you know, each weekend, that'll be pretty rare. Yeah. So if somebody does well on a Thursday game and we have a consensus here that, you know, wow, this guy carried us, this was the man, you know, we we change, or at least I change it, maybe the OCP can change it. I was going to say, hard to get a consensus between uh, the the five of us on a, any given basketball recap podcast. It usually seems like there's four or five names that that get thrown out there. And you know what? And that could be, you know, because of the review period, that could be the threshold we need. We want to make it a little bit difficult to get that. We don't want to give need, it away. You need all five thumbs up for that one. Yes, that would be great. Um, so my player of the game for the Asheville game, and it could it be more obvious which player is most important? And I will go, you know what? Antoine Petway made this pick. Why did Antoine Petway make this pick? Because he kept him in for all 40 minutes. And if you keep a player in for all 40 minutes, you're saying that person is pretty damn important. And that was Terrell Burden. 22 points, seven assists, eight of 12 from the free throw line, which is much better than he's been shooting. So that's a positive sign. Uh, he did give us an exciting moment on the dunk and <laughs> another exciting moment in person on that one-handed uh attempt uh, and let me tell you if he somehow dunked that which i don't know if that was even possible um that would have been top three on sports center on a busy saturday so um who was your player of the game I, i'm right there with you it was tv and it was for no other reason than the fiasco that went on at my grandmother's house <laughs> <laughs> there you go and i think just holt would take number two uh usually with these games the way i'm thinking you know we're always on the podcast like oh man it was such a good team effort we could give it to adam mccoy we could give it to king we could give it to gordon but no for this one you know it was really tb and then just it, it was tb it was tb and then just was like a far runner up I was going to say my, my two probably would have been Quincy. Just okay. because he, he quietly had a, had a, had a good game. He was in there for 30 of the minutes. I mean, I know Jason was only, it was just under 30, but I mean, we're, we're, we're right there. We're splitting hairs between those two guys at the end of the day. Yeah. And Adam McCoy did do a good job um, on, you know, Pember um, when he had the chance as well defensively. Um, I do have some notes from Kai. Um, he sent these to me on Saturday when I thought I was going to do the solo broadcast. Um, just Kai says Jason already looked far more comfortable on offense, but lacked a little bit of discipline on defense. Uh, Kai, you know, said, um, other than hacking him 20 times, we actually did a pretty good job on Pember, especially Adam Akoya down the stretch. Um, we actually, Kai says we were actually able to play our game in the second half at several fast break looks that we live for, but our execution was poor. I'll agree with that. Um, Kai says, I'm okay with the split. Um, it's all we asked for when we saw the schedule mission accomplished. I think um, I agree with him there. 100%. And, that, and lastly, I said, uh, we have a pretty clear scouting report against us and it's scary. Hack everyone and slow down and slow the pace down while crashing the offensive glass. So basically Kai is saying we need to hit our free throws and rebound better. And he's not wrong. He's no, not wrong. No, not at all. Um, I do want to move on. Oh, you have something else to add producer Nick? No, you're all good. Go right ahead. 
All right. And I just want to kind of uh, finish this episode up by uh, talking about what's to come here. Uh, we play Indiana at uh, six o'clock on Friday on the road. Um, we played them last year, lost 69-55. Um, let's kind of talk about how we're feeling. And, you know, personally, um, I'm feeling good. Uh, we're nine and four, uh, six and four, if you're not counting the BS non-D ones, still very solid. Um, on a previous episode, Kai and I spoke about being thrilled if we went one and one against Asheville and Indiana over these final two games for the conference. Uh, currently, we're 0-1. Um, a win against Indiana uh, would meet that 1-1 goal and would give us our first D1 win over a high major since Georgia Tech in, what, 20, 2009, 2010, something like that. Um, I strangely feel more confident coming off Saturday's loss because sometimes you just need a reminder to get back to the basics, not get too complacent. And, you know, like I said earlier, uh, it's a kick in the ass, a, a wake-up call. Um, John Rothstein of CBS Sports tweeted on December 19th, quote, Indiana has flirted with the epitome of brutality three times a season, but never has been taken to the gates of hell. That's how you get on the right side of the bubble on Selection Sunday, Indiana's 8-3. and three. So what he's saying is Indiana almost lost a uh, bye game three times, but were never truly de actually defeated. But they came close. So, you know, can we be the ones to send them to the gates of hell, Producer Nick? Um, I definitely think we can. Um, I mean, one of those opponents, again, it was the first game of the season, so not much really I don't know how much you can take away from it but one of them was against an ace on opponent in FGCU and it was a three-point win that they scraped out six point so, game I think either way like I think there's definitely a a chance here a chance I have been advocating for this Indiana win for a while I've been doing it on podcasts starting at the start of the month I remember I I made a very bold claim and said I want revenge they beat us last year now there's not really any revenge that needs to be taken but i want this win more than really any other uh win outside of our our current slated schedule this year yeah and we've played indiana in the past like 10 years ago yogi farrell all that kind of stuff back in the day uh obviously never beat them um so you know i'm just glad that we are talking about this as we have a puncher's chance which is kind of what we want um, we don't want to get in that situation where we're like, okay, if we lose by less than 30, it's a de facto win, um, so to speak. Uh, I did a little bit of research, and my notes are, again, probably a couple of days old because I did all of this on Saturday, but Indiana was like number 51 in RPI, number 99 in net. Uh, it's a tall task to go on the road and win there. Not impossible. Like we've talked about, it's a puncher's chance. Uh, they're really big, man. And we got out-rebounded by Asheville by 19 Indiana starts a seven-footer as one of their best players, which might not bode well for us. Um, looking at their schedule earlier in the year, like producer Nick mentioned, um, they beat FGCU by six, and FGCU almost lost to an NAIA team a couple of days ago. Um, so they suck. Um, I don't want to say that because then if we lose to FGCU, that looks bad. But, um, you know, FGCU is struggling. Um, Indiana beat Army, Wright State, and uh, Louisville by single digits. And they beat Moorhead State by one on December 19th. Uh, but to pump the brakes, on December 16th, they lost to number two ranked Kansas by only four. And they have wins against Michigan and Maryland, neither of whom are world beaters, but that's still wins versus Michigan and Maryland. So, um, you know, 
like I said, the possibility of even winning this one is exciting that you have to actually tune in and we have a shot in hell is really all we can ask for. But my concerns, you know, I think I researched them a bit. I think I saw they were starting, what, six, seven footer, six, nine, six, eight. And as the, you know, the five, four and three, we need to come in with that chip on our shoulders. Um, we need everybody to play that perfect game or close to it. We need our guys to come out hitting shots. We can't let our we can't get buried this game is what I'm saying if we're going to give ourselves a chance. We need to come out in the second half, uh, out of halftime, either have the lead or within you know five to ten points at worst. I don't disagree. Um, I think it is notable that Indiana came out in this last game against UNA, and I believe it was a season best 12 three pointers that they made, and a lot of them were early, and they kind of just put that pressure on immediately so if we're not coming out of the gate strong it's definitely going to be hard for us it's going to look a lot similar to how the Asheville game looked where we're just trying to climb and and like I mentioned you know I think the emphasis is going to be coming out on a strong start after what happened against Asheville and that's why you know if we beat Asheville I would feel you know I don't feel great obviously I'm, I'm never going to feel great about playing a team that's above our level you know what I mean um, a power five type team um, but after losing to Asheville, getting that kick in the ass, I feel better now than I would have if we actually beat Asheville. Um, you know, I think, okay, we beat Asheville. We're riding high. We're on top of the world. Nobody can take us down. It's almost new year's. Let's take that meant, you know, mental, see what happens, house money, blah, 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 which it still is house money, but I, I want the guys to be focused. And I think that loss is going to focus us up and, um, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. So I'm right there with you, John. I mean, we, we're going to just have to get consistency on the court. That's going to be the biggest thing. We, we start hitting shots early, find what works and, and, and stick to it because they're just, they're bigger and better. We're there. We have to out effort them at the end of the day, because they're going to have more natural athleticism to their roster. Let's go get our first big 10 win ever. Come on. Yeah, out, out <laughs> athletic, you know, we have to out effort them and we have to shoot the ball. Well, we can't come out throwing, you know, air balls and balls off the backboard and, you know, shooting like it's uh 2018 Kennesaw state basketball or something like that. We can't, we can't do that. Nope. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, it's our last game before conference play starts. And I think we start off the conference season on January 6th against Queens. And, you know, we'll preview that uh, for you guys next week. Uh, we might try and bring on some special guests for the Indiana postgame show, as well as the midweek, perhaps to discuss that. No promises, but we're going to do our best to align schedules and see what we can secure. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. And uh, yeah, uh, that's all I have. Uh, Producer Nick, did you have anything you wanted to say? Hoping that everyone had a very enjoyable holiday season and uh, wishing everyone a happy new year. But outside of that, go Owls. Yeah. And please follow us at Owl Chat Podcast. Um, and, you know, if we don't talk to you again before the new year, have a happy new year. And if we do talk to you again before the new year, well, I guess have a happy new year anyway, I guess. Uh, talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kaimalette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until we return... Stay happy, stay healthy, 
And as always, Go Owls!